0: will be a good test to see uh, how short I can make this. Praise God. Because this was going to be a, a one shot and only if uh, it spilt over. And, uh, although it hasn't spilt over I can just sort of do a Let's see a 10 15 minute message praise God but uh, if you could uh, Todd it's uh, always inspiring to see your 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 work hallelujah <laughs> praise God yes I was uh, I focused last time on Solomon because it starts off by saying Solomon loved God and it wasn't just words he spent seven years building getting all the resources to build the temple and took him 12 12 years to build his palace and the beginning of Solomon's Introduction in um, chapter 3 I pointed out that it says that uh, it says that he married the Egyptian he married the wife of Egyptian um, Pharaoh daughter of Egyptian Pharaoh and I pointed out that that was his beginning the foundation of an altar because We later then discovered that Solomon had a passion for foreign women and the Bible clearly stated in Deuteronomy 7, 3, 4 and 5 that God said that the Israelites should not marry foreign women because they would one day turn the hearts and that you would start to worship foreign gods. And we pointed out that as wise, Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived up until that point. As you say, he's written three parts, three books of the Bible. His wisdom was known as far as the East. There was no one wiser Queen uh, Bathsheba came, we think, well, from the south, definitely from the south, who came to, to inquire. All these things she's heard about Solomon, was it true? And after Solomon answered all her questions, it said that there was no breath left in her. She was so absolutely thinking, wow, And she was just so amazed what she saw, his wisdom, etc. But when we come to um, chapter 11, if I can find it quick enough. Chapter 11. Let me see. Yeah, chapter 11, verse 5 to 8. don't know if you've, you've got it there or I may be able to get it before you. let me see if I can find it. Chapter 11, 5 to 8. It says the following. Okay, I'll definitely beat, it, beat you then in this case. It says. Yes, okay. This is what it says. It says. For, so chapter 11, verse 4 says, For it was so that when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord, his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after the Asherah, the goddess of the Sidonians and after the Millikan, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow fully so I did not fully follow the Lord as he did, as did his father David. And Solomon built a high place into Chemosh, the abomination of the Mohabs, on the hill that is the east of Jerusalem, and to Malek, the abomination of the people of Emon. And you know the god of Molech, uh, M- that was the god that specifically required you to offer up your children in fire. So that's how far he went. I want you to see from someone who loved the Lord God with all his heart to a place where the man is now building abominations that God hated. And why was that? Was because he didn't know he was building up altars. You have the word of God, the word of God is clear, and you or he is saying, I know what the word of God says, but I'm smarter than God. Or this this scripture in Deuteronomy seven, three, four, and five won't catch me. And I wanted to use Samson as a, another example of somebody who was building up altars in his life not knowing that he was building up destructions. And the most important thing I want to talk about Samson because we say was going to be very brief, was this. Samson's birth was... As a result of a divine intervention, an angel came down and spoke to, uh, because we don't know the name of Samson, we know of the the husband, uh, Manoah. The angel came down and spoke to Samson's mother, Manoah's wife, that he would be a Nazarene from the birth, so that she would not she should not drink wine no unclean food she should not cut his hair and that he would partially deliver the philistines for deliver israel from the philistines so samuel knew i mean it's inconceivable because he would have probably wondered when he was a young child why don't you cut my hair or why am I not allowed to do this? Why am, and she would have sat down, that would both sat down. Uh, an angel came to tell us that your, your birth was special. We couldn't have a child. But after the angel came down and proclaimed uh, all the things that you were going to do, I had to make sure that I didn't drink wine and you're a Nazarite. And a Nazarite means this. So I am absolutely sure the parents would have told him of who he was. So, as we found out last week, that when he came across, um, oh, the first thing I should say that in Temna he saw a, a Philistine woman and he said, Come and I, I want her. And the parents said, Is there not anybody in our, in our tribe that you could not, wouldn't be attracted to. He says, no, 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 get, get me for, get her for me. So the thing I want to emphasize here is that, and I said it last week, you cannot compromise God's word and win. If you know it's wrong, it is wrong. And we can present it in all kinds of ways we want, it is wrong. So there's two things I want to um, touch on before I come down. One is, and I'm speaking to a young adult. Those of you who are still looking, or those who are looking for a partner, one of the things anyone who's gone through my thing they will know, and it's it's now everyone knows that one of the things I teach is that first of all I tell them I do not teach culture. I teach the Bible. I'm, I recognise there is culture. But I'm going to teach you what God says about marriage. He invented it. And then you can add or take away what you want, but you know what the word of God says. So, and one of the other things I say is that, because it's commonly said that, you know, two people, 50-50, you come together and 50-50 make 100. I say, no, it is 100%, 100%. You bring your 100% And he or she brings 100%. And 100% and 100% in God's maths is still one. Not two. It's one. But one of the things I want to emphasize here. Is that those of you who haven't found your partner. I cannot plead long and hard enough. This is a I beseech you type of pleading to pray for your partner, that God gives you the partner because if you can imagine, you are the person that is giving your 100% and you make the misfortune to have somebody who is, a receive, who, is who feels they're entitled to your 100% and gives nothing back that will be starting to have a little bit of hell on earth. Because you're constantly giving, constantly pouring out. And the person, because it's an entitlement mentality, they think, well, of course. If it's the man, of course you should get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and prepare prepare my food. Of course you should be ironing this. Of course you should be doing this and doing that. And as far as he's concerned, you're just fulfilling what he believes you should be doing vice versa where you have a a a woman who says well, of course he's supposed to look after me so you know i wake up in the morning and everything should be everything in fact her hobby is spending his money Now, what shall i what shall i what shall i buy today where should i go today Let's get some, let's get my girlfriends together and let's, uh, let's, let's spend his money. <laughs> Yesterday we spent it over here. Today we want to spend it over here. And I want to have my girlfriends around me to uh, enjoy it. And, you know, praise God. Well, he married me, didn't he? He, he knew what he was getting, didn't he? Glory. <laughs> <laughs> so please by the mercies of God <laughs> pray pray that God is merciful and hears your cry and gives you the person that will 100% she will give 100% you will give 100% and you're committed, and there is a—I don't know—I'm coming down here. Maybe anyway, there is a, a cl- there's a leaving and there's a cleaving. This is not supposed to be. I don't know why I'm here, but okay, God's obviously <laughs> yes, there's a reason. So there is a leaving and a cleaving. Maybe it's because as. Samson knew his destiny, yet he was purely moved by what he saw. He saw a Philistine woman who is uncircumcised and he didn't care because he he, he fancied her. And to go a long story short, he broke one of the foundational things of being a Nazareth which is to be holy to be separate he uh the the uh, a lion came to him and the spirit came on him and he ripped it as it says like a like a goat and on the uh, some sounds like weeks later he visits there again and he sees the the carcass of the lion which had a honey cone or honey what a hive type of thing in it and he's not supposed to go anywhere near anything dead unholy but he goes in takes it gives some to his parents now what does that tell me he did not take who he was seriously or the word of God seriously so, speed on a little bit. He gives a riddle. And the riddle, he, he said, if you, the, the people who are around him, if you uh, solve the riddle, what is, uh, what is strong and, and sweet, what is stronger than sweet or whatever. Anyway, he gave a riddle. He says, if you um, solve the riddle, I will give you 30 changes of clothing. But if you can't solve the riddle, you give me 30 uh, pieces of clothing. They can't solve it, so they then pressurize his wife, his his wife-to-be. They say that unless you, it tells his wife, unless you tell us the thing, we're going to do bad things to you. So get this. His wife harasses him, torments him to say, why have you not told me the riddle? And he says, well, I haven't even told my parents. He says, why, why would I tell you? She finally, it says that, I think, she, I think they use the same phrase. His soul was, was vexed. And eventually he, she to, he told her and she told the Philistines. Now I just want to because uh, i 'm not going to go through all this, but I just want you to a few highlights. Satan was watching Samson if I find it, it actually says, and Samson judged the judge Israel for twenty years, but the the die was set, which was satan can satan could see that A woman is Samson's weakness. And a woman that is able to cause him, press him, he will give up everything. Because that's the same technique that the woman, his first wife did, that we all know about Delilah. Now, I'm just going to just deal with this. What, what other altars might we have? In other words, we know it's not right, but it suits us. Now, sometimes the, the culture or traditions, if our traditions favor us, then we're going to actually hold on to them because we like it. We like our traditions where it favors us. Even though the word of, I mean, we all come from, we're not, no one's neutral. We all come from our environment. I don't know why, it keeps coming back, so I don't know why I'm going to keep going. When we come into marriage, we have different views of how a husband and how a wife operates. According to our culture. And according to our mom, our dads, our grandchildren, our uh, grandparents, but is where did they get their ideas from? Is it biblical, or is it something that was passed on, passed on, passed on, and now has become the norm? But when we look at our cultures and our traditions, are the men happy? Or are the women happy? Because you are seeing your future before you. If you are doing what, if you are eating and doing exactly what the previous generation have done, are you happy with the results of that generation? And if not, stop doing it. Stop doing it. If you are, if you are, if you're looking at your aunties and your grandchild, your grandmothers, and, every, and they're all miserable and all unhappy and etc., and then they say, "Now we want you to do the same." You would be, well, you have the word of God, and you have your traditions, and if your traditions is telling you. To do something that the Word of God says you shouldn't do, or you ought not to do, or you have a choice not to do, why not accept what God said? How God invented marriage, how God invented relationships. And even when we're married, sometimes the Word of God challenging us and say, That is, when He says, Husbands, love your, w- love your wife. As Christ loved the church. That love we all know is agape. Husbands, agape your wife. Now that is a tough one. To agape your wife is not subject to the person's behavior. It stumps. <laughs> I know I'm treading on toes now. I have no idea, but God must know what he's doing. <laughs> Maybe that's why Paul said, I beseech you. I bese- I'm begging you. By the mercies of God. To present your bodies. A, a living sacrifice. Holy Unacceptable before God, which is a reasonable act of worship or service. And then he goes on to say, be not conformed. So be not conformed to our traditions. Be not conformed to the norms of where we live. But be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we may know what is the good and perfect will of God. I think I missed the approved and perfect will of God. As I say, Paul was saying, I beseech you. I'm begging you. We need to smash some altars that we've put up there because Building those altars are ultimately going to destroy us. That comes from the men and the women. Some of the altars have been partly built by our friends. I mean, I won't give names, but if a friend is separated from her husband or divorce living in a house she's unhappy and that friend is advising you what to do do I need to say any more? Sadly, I see this quite a lot. The person who's advising you have their life shipwrecked. And advising you to follow their lead. And I'm asking, she is advising you what to do. Are you happy the way she lives? If you're not happy the way she lives, how can you be taking her counsel? My goodness me. Let us smash some of the altars that we put up there. That is not of God. Because it leads to destruction. And anointing, as we know, anointing is not an indicator. Because as we said, uh, Samson who was supposed to be holy, righteous, had just left a prostitute in chapter 16. Still, you see, the interesting thing about Samson is that at first, God used to come upon him. But he learnt over time how to use the anointing so that when he came to the tree he wasn't waiting for the presence of god to come to when he came to the city gates he wasn't waiting for the presence of god to go on him he knew now how to operate the gifts so he had just left the prostitute the people uh, the philistines were waiting to to capture him but he now knows how to use the, 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 the anointing so he could rip up the city gates and its pillars, carry on his shoulder and, and carry on. So as far as he's concerned, I've still got it. Glory to God, I've still got it. People are still falling under my power. Notice he says, my power, not God's power. But the saddest, saddest note of Samson's life is that two things. Delilah kept him asking where's your power where's your power and each time he was getting closer and closer but then she said how can you love me if you don't tell me your secret and the word says it says that he tor- she tormented him or pressed him to the point that he it says that he didn't want to live anymore and finally he told he told Delilah, his secret. And she put him to sleep on his lap. And got his hair cut off. And there was two things. Anyone else looking at Samson would have said, Samson, are you mad? Look how many times you've said your your." Your, your power. And each time she's mocked you and said, the, 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 the Philistines are with you. The Philistines. Come on. She, hasn't, she doesn't have your interest. Oh, she loves me. And I love her. Sometimes the person who is in the midst of deception is the last person to see he needs help. Everybody else can see that this woman hasn't got your interest. Or this person doesn't have your interest. But you are the last person to see. And the saddest note in Samson's life is that after she'd cut his hair, after his power had been removed, she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he said, he got up not knowing God had left him. That is the the saddest thing. When you are backslidden, you come to a point where, first of all, God's anointing is there. Then you start using God's anointing. And then when the devil manipulates you, that the anointing is now left you. Because he didn't say the anointing has gone he said God the anointing is neither here nor here but when he did not know God had left him and he said he shook himself as he did before not knowing God had left him that is the saddest saddest statement of any man or woman of God that they're still shaking themselves. Not knowing God has left them. And there are many, many, many ministers and churches. They're still shaking themselves. But God has left them. And they continue to hold church. And if there was was a rapture, they'd be still shaking themselves. Because God left them a long time ago. And let us pray that we never get that place. In Jesus' name, amen.